and there was a rickety old 30-foot aluminum ladder going up to the top of it that was used to service this navigational light that was up on top. And uh, the heights aren't really my thing. The knowledge that there was a cache up there helped me uh, up that ladder. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern, and I am super stoked to bring you today's episode with John Stanley, who works at geocaching.com. So if you do not know what geocaching is, I am the most excited for you to listen to this episode. If you do already know what geocaching is, this is going to be super awesome for you to get to hear about the origins of geocaching and all kinds of other info about geocaching that you never knew about. So geocaching, for those of you not in the know, is this awesome secret hobby that over 6 million people all across the world have. Um, and it's probably close to you right now, and you have no idea that it's there. Basically, people hide things out in public called caches or, or geocaches, and they hide these out in public places. Um, let's say, like somewhere in a tree, or underneath a table, or underneath a bench, um, or on the side of a metal object. I live in San Francisco. There is literally thousands of them in the city of San Francisco. Um, and once you download the geocaching app, you can go out and find these caches via coordinates with your phone um, and then hints that are given for once you get there. There's more complex, different types of caches. Anyways, we'll get into all this info during the interview. If you have not tried geocaching before, I'm sure that you will want to try it after the interview and I could not possibly recommend it more. Without further ado, here is geocaching. John, thank you so much for joining me on the show, man. My pleasure. So why don't we start with a really easy one, which is just what is geocaching? I'm sure you have an easy way to explain that to people. Uh, it's more complex than you might think. Um, I, the easy answer is it's a high-tech treasure hunt. Uh, a, a, a favorite saying among geocachers is it is uh, use of a $12 billion government satellite constellation to look for Tupperware <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> I like that a lot. Both of those definitions are so good and so accurate. Um, so let's talk about the most basic form of geocache, and then we can talk about like these different types of geocaches that have come up over the years. So um, if somebody were to download the free version of the geocache app right now, they would have access to the traditional um, geocache. So what is like a traditional geocache? That is a... Uh we we typically say that that's a cache that you could go to and find without having to read the description, although we don't encourage that you don't read right, the, right. The, the description. But basically, it means there uh, there isn't a twist on it per se. Um, it's it's a straightforward hide at the posted coordinates. Okay, so now I'm I'm apparently really dumb because even doing all of the traditional ones, like if I don't get the uh, the hint or if I'm not reading the description, there's a zero percent chance that I am going to find these things. Like I absolutely need, uh, you know, if it says something like um, 
I don't know, uh, like I, I did one the other day, and it said like the trees have eyes, and there were all these trees all over the place at the at you know where the the coordinates led me. But then this one actual tree, they had posted these like googly eyes on, and I was like, oh, so it's at that tree, and then sure <laughs> enough, at the base of that tree, that's where it was. And I was like, man, had I not had they not said the trees have eyes thing, I would have just been staring at the bottoms of all these trees, you know. Uh, man, that being said, the I feel like the something that's blown me away since I've started geocaching is the GPS that you guys have. I, like, I feel like my Google Maps is nowhere near as accurate as the GPS that you guys run is. I, it, how is that possible? Well, uh, the the GPS uh, system is is run by the government, and we just tap into that. So uh, our app, for example, is going to uh, report the location as reported by the phone, which mm-hmm. is using GPS and also cell phone triangulation. Although for the most part, it, when you're outdoors, it's going to be uh, your GPS location. Um, and then a dedicated GPS unit will be picking up the GPS satellites outdoors and, and using those to triangulate position. So uh, uh, it's raw positional data. Whereas uh, with Google Maps, if you're looking at something on Google Maps, they may not have aligned the, the imagery precisely to the coordinates at, at that location, depending. So um, yeah, you can never rely on online mapping to necessarily get you right to the exact point. That's interesting. So you're saying that something like Google Maps will actually be using the map to decide its coordinates versus you guys are, are using coordinates to decide your coordinates. And that's why you can be so precise. Uh, sort of, yes. Um, like uh, Any mapping service, including Google, is they've got the underlying coordinate system and then they are uh, essentially layering imagery on top of that to determine, determine to show you where you are. Their coordinates will be accurate, but the imagery might be shifted. Yeah. Um, and then, for example, in, in China, the government requires that the imagery be shifted. And so if you use that um, to find a cache in, in China, you're going to be a couple hundred meters off, probably. What? So there are geocaches in China? There are several Yes. Wow. Crazy. Where, where are there not geocaches? In what countries are there not geocaches? The only one I can think of off the top of my head is North Korea. That, uh, well, obviously, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that certainly makes sense. I can't believe that, though. That's incredible. But people are constantly trying. Yeah. So I, it's funny you say people are constantly trying. So um, I, I just found out about geocaching a couple months ago. As soon as I, I did it, I, I was like, I need to find somebody to interview about geocaching because this is the coolest thing ever. And I was so angry that I hadn't heard about geocaching like years ago. I was like, what have I been doing my entire life that I haven't been doing this? And, um, and uh, about a month ago, I had a friend in from out of town and I explained geocaching to him. We went and did a geocache and he was like, oh my God, that was the coolest thing ever. And his flight uh, left that evening. So he leaves that evening. He has a layover in the Chicago airport and he texts me from the Chicago airport. He's like, dude, there's like 10 geocaches inside the airport with me. <laughs> but he only had the free app and nobody had done like the free geocaches. So he wasn't able to find any of them. But it's amazing like how deep geocaching permeates and that there's there's all these caches everywhere and yet there's still so many people that don't that don't know you know there's so many muggles out there that have no idea what's going on yeah um it's funny it's not uh 
quite as underground as it was when it started, but it's definitely uh, not mainstream either. Yeah, which is good. Do you feel like if it became mainstream that that would ruin a piece of what what it had okay so yeah give me the perspective of somebody that's been doing it for for so long do you feel like some of its magic is gone now that more people are finding out about it or is that making it better there there's definitely a a section of our community that thinks it's worse off for having more people but i don't i don't feel that way um yes you'll run into issues where someone who's new doesn't know what they're doing and and you know, either has problems or, or creates problems for others. But in reality, that's pretty small. And instead, you get a lot of new blood and you get a lot of new ideas. Um, there's some great new hiders who have come up with phenomenal ideas that, you know, if you just kept doing things the same old way and you never you never uh, push the envelope, you, you, you'll just get stagnant. And, and yeah. so the new blood is really good. But like anything, you know, your bell curve is going to start to fill out. But, uh, you know, you get all the good along with the bad. So I think it's great. So you got to talk to me about some of these ideas. So uh, I've only done, I think, I don't know, maybe five, six geocaches at this point. And I was talking to my wife right before this interview started. And I was like, what, you know, we've done all of our geocaches together and we both think it's the coolest thing. And I was like, what questions do you want me to ask him? And she's like, you got to, she's like, we have, we have to like do our own geocache. We have to set one up. You got to ask him for tips. You got to ask him for like, what are the cool things that people are doing? Like something that would make our geocache kind of stand out. So what are some of these things? that you've seen people do that make for a really cool or unique geocache? Uh, there are many factors that go into a good cache. Um, but to me, the basic one is still the original meaning behind the game, which is location. And if you hide a cache and the only reason you're bringing someone to that spot is for the cache, then you should maybe consider a different spot. That's always been the mantra. Uh, at least among the old timers, is location, location, location. Great. So try to ha- you're saying try to have a spot that people would be going otherwise, like maybe exactly. for that they're there for a good view, or they're there because it's a normal walking trail, or whatever it is. Yeah, don't. Um, and it, um, if you were to ask me advice on getting started with geocaching, one of my first things, one of the first things I would say is, if you're hiding a cache. Um, don't just look for a spot to fill in on the map just because there is a spot there. Make sure it's something, you know, if, if you uh, feel that the area is special to you or would be neat for others to see, um, consider that sort of spot. Now, a lot of those are, are taken <laughs> in, a, in a populated area, but there's still so many areas around that, that aren't taken. Once you just get a little bit outside of the city, perhaps, or there's still unknown areas in cities. I, I'm still shocked uh, when someone uh, brand new to the game uh, says, oh, this, there was this little park down the street. And I said, there's no park there. You know, and and uh, we go to this cache. Sure enough, there was a vacant lot that was turned into a park just last year. And all of a sudden there's a cache here and there's this beautiful little walking trail. You know, uh, it's, it's, still, it's still cool to find those little hidden gems. Absolutely. And I think that that man, that's such a good point. I um looking around here in San Francisco and, and just reading the descriptions of so a lot of times I like to look at people's uh, like reviews of the I don't know if that's the proper terminology, but you know, people after they find a cache, they can leave a little message or something. So I like to look at the little messages that people leave after the fact. 
and before even going and, and looking at it. And so many that I've seen have been exactly what you just said, where the people leaving the message were like, man, I had no idea that this little park was here. This little park is so cool. And what an awesome thing that you, A, gave people something to do for the day, but B, maybe you introduced them to a park that they want to come back to now, and you know, a week from now and bring their family there or something. Yeah, there's even an acronym in the game for that. It's Yapidka, I think. Uh, yet another park I didn't know about. <laughs> that's a good acronym i there's so there's so many acronyms that i'm that i'm seeing on the geocache app where i'm just like what the hell does this mean yep. so that's a good one i don't think i've seen that yet um and you guys have a like a dictionary online right that if people yeah. are getting the app for the first time and they're seeing these things and they're just like what the hell does this even mean you guys do have a resource for that yes uh we have a, a help center and it has a glossary that will give you all of the uh, the better known and, and even some of the lesser known uh, acronyms, uh, terms like muggles, uh, et yeah. cetera. So muggles, uh, and I'm sure most people have already understood what that would mean it, just from the movie Harry Potter or the books, the Harry Potter books. Who Was it the creator of Geocache that came up with calling up people that don't know about Geocache as muggles, or was it somebody else? And if so, that person is an absolute genius. That's so funny. Yeah, uh, it was it was someone in the community, and I don't even know if we could point to who it was at this point, which is unfortunate. But it just sort of uh, caught on as uh, the people who aren't in the know about the game. Yeah. It so perfectly captures the idea because, yeah, that 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 concept is so well defined in the Harry Potter books of these people that like you better not do magic around them or you'll just blow their mind like they won't even know how to handle you doing this magic. And, and you know, when you're tr- rifling around across the street from someone's house and you're like, don't want them to think that you're going to break into their house later or something, you know, you feel kind of weird sometimes. Yeah. You're like, man, if people are just walking by me right now, they're going to think I'm like vandalizing this sidewalk right here, you know, whatever. But. Well, you got to find that geocache. Unfortunately, a lot of phones and what have you will autocorrect that to, to mugger. And so, <laughs> and, and so I don't know if it's typos or autocorrect, but someone will say, oh, man, we had a hike because we were about to get mugged. Uh, yeah. It's like, oh, do I want to do that cache or not? Well, uh, then you figure out they probably meant muggled. <laughs> yeah, <did> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. What are some of your most memorable geocaches, John? So we should say right now that you've done over 15,000 geocaches, which is absolutely mind-blowing to me. I can't even fathom that number. Oh, what what should be mind-blowing is there are people out there who have not been in the game as long as I have who have almost 10 times that. Uh, wow. Are the current lead Guy, the guy with the most finds is, if he's not at 130,000 now, he will be in a day or two. That's, That's unbelievable. <laughs> How long has geocaching been around? Uh, it, we just celebrated 15 years. Wow. What were, so when did you start? I started uh, a, well, I was, uh, I hid my first cache about a month after the first cache was placed. Wow. All right. So you were there from like day one, basically. Yeah, I would have hidden it sooner, uh, but uh, the place I wanted, uh, again, location was important to me. And I wanted to get up uh, onto a mountain near uh, the cabin that my family and I have uh, in Idaho. And uh, so I waited for the snow to melt. Otherwise, oh, yeah. I, I would have uh, actually, uh, I, I went with a uh, second. I couldn't wait any longer. And it, there was the snow stays in the mountains there. Um, into July, 
so I went to one of the, the lower hills close to the cabin, but, um, but I did wait to, you know, until I had a good view. Man, I didn't even think, so I'm from California, so that's not even like a consideration of mine. I, I, yeah, that has to be a major consideration if you live places where it snows is like, can people find this year round? Or I guess if it just gets solidly buried under the snow, it's completely safe and it's good to go, huh? Uh, yeah, it's just people will have a hard time finding it then. <laughs> right, uh, right. Although people do that, people will go up and, and dig down in the snow to find a, a mountaintop cache uh, if they have enough information that they could zero in on where it's supposed to be yeah. um uh, otherwise people will just uh, hang them in trees yeah yeah that's a good idea <laughs> so what was it like for the first couple years and in i guess first tell us how did you even hear about it and then and then kind of what was the population growth like for the first few years um yeah that's uh, it's interesting because i i initially didn't think the game was going to take off and i'll well, let me start by saying that I, the way I, I learned about geocaching was I was uh, into the technology, GPS technology, as a result of mountain biking. I mm. uh, like to create uh, guide maps for mountain biking routes. And back then, there were no online uh, mapping services. Uh, the internet was in its fledgling days. And um, so you, I would uh, overlay my the track I recorded on my GPS onto a map and then use that to help uh, uh, illustrate where the, the route for the mountain biking trail went. One guy on the internet, uh, his name was Dave Ulmer, posted a, a note saying, you know, now it would be reasonable to direct someone to something in, hidden in the woods using a set of coordinates, and they would have a reasonable chance of finding it. And he said, I'm going to try this. And that's when the, the game of geocaching was born. Um, he did that and placed that cache down in Oregon on uh, May 3rd. And a couple of days later, it was found by uh, Mike Teague, uh, a, a guy in Vancouver, Washington, just across the river. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the birth of the game. Um, and I thought, well, that, that sounds great. I'm going to do the same thing. And I, like I mentioned, I waited until uh, some snow had melted off the nearby mountains and uh, went up there and placed my first cache. And the reason I thought the game wasn't going to take off is that was May. And I figured um, if, if, there is, if the game's going to take off, summer is when it's going to take off because that's when everyone has free time, the weather is good. And that summer came and went and no one ever visited my cache. Wow. And no one hid a cache around me. Um, and I thought, oh, well, I'm not sure this is going to go anywhere. Um, and then uh, there, there was uh, one that got placed uh, in the mountains not too far from home. It was about a 60-mile drive. This one was uh, uh, fairly accessible. And we had a sh- our ship party at, at work for, for the project we were working on all summer. And as soon as that was over, I jumped in my car and I drove up into the mountains and uh, sought out that cache and I was the first finder of it and it was the first cache hidden by the guys who became the founders of geocaching.com. I, I, I can't imagine an industry that was benefited more by the smartphone than geocaching. It's it's unbelievable to to try to think about well, like how it would have survived and how it would have continued on and what it would have looked like had all of a sudden smartphones not come out. And everyone that is not a um 
outdoor backpacking aficionado that doesn't care to have a GPS unit, you know, like 99% of people with smartphones would never have a GPS unit, you know, like they just don't care. But now all these people are able to do geocaching anyways. Oh yeah. It totally opened up a whole new market. It's, uh, yeah, it's no longer just the outdoor, uh, technology, uh, enthusiast. It's, it's, uh, it's everybody. Yeah. My, my, my dad, for God's sake, has, has a has a smartphone so yeah, yeah. It, it pretty much it, it opened it up from a niche market to uh, a, a mainstream market so john what were the if you know this off the top of your head approximately what were the numbers of people geocaching and say like 2005 2006 right before everyone had a smartphone in their hand and then what is the number of people geocaching right now uh, well it's always hard first of all to define number of geocachers because uh there's number of accounts on the website but not all of those end up getting used and then some people cache without creating an account right good point Um, you can look at logs but not everyone logs online and and what have you so we generally uh try to look at uh accounts that have logged to find in the last year and that's how we define an active cacher yeah um or at least when people ask me for for statistics, that's usually what I use. You know, if you've cashed in the last year, I'll call you active. Um, and uh, the last time I rat, ran numbers, uh, we're currently at about six million rounded. That's so crazy. And I can tell you, it. I I think uh, in two thousand six, I I'm not. I doubt we were even at a million. Um, I'd have to look back. I, I don't know, but it, it's, uh, it exploded with, with sm- smartphone use. Yeah. I can't believe it's not more than 6 million. Like when I, when I live in San Francisco and when I pull up the map of San Francisco on the geocaching app, I think there is about 1 million geocaches <laughs> in San Francisco. Like it's absolutely amazing. And it's so exciting because there's so much of a, of I, I'm absolutely in love with the city of San Francisco since I moved here. And there's so much of the city that I feel like I have yet to explore just in general. And now with the geocaching, it's like, it's a reason to get out there and really explore it and to really see these things and something to do just besides like, um, all right, I'm just going to go for a walk or I'm just going to go grab another beer at another bar. You know, it's, it's another thing to do. That's really exciting and really fun yeah. and a reason to see things. Uh, yeah. Some people in geocaching call it, call it hiking with a purpose, but you can, I think, exchange hiking for just about anything else. Uh, someone will say, Oh, I went on, I was on my, uh, run tonight and saw that this cache was nearby. So I took a, a break and, and found it. Um, or, you know, like you say, a, a walk downtown. I, I want to go see this site. Oh, what caches are around there? It gives you a, a, an excuse, I guess, to, to go, to make one decision over another. Like, do I want to go walking this way or this way? This one has a cache. I'll, I'll go this way. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it's a good uh, complimentary activity. Yeah, it's um, the very first one that I ever did was when I was visiting Lake Tahoe. And uh, we rented a house there with some friends and we all just went for a walk in the evening because it's beautiful in Lake Tahoe. And, uh, and then one of the girls pulled out her phone and she's like, hey, have you guys ever tried this geocaching thing? And we were like, none of us had ever tried it before. She's like, oh, well, there's what, exactly what you said. You know, like we were just going for a random walk anyway. She's like, if we walk a few blocks in this direction, it looks like, you know, there should be a geocache over here. She's like, all right, let's go check it out. And it's, it's so cool. Like when you start to get near it, it's like you, you get this like, you know, 
pins and needles, like excited feeling, like, oh my gosh, are we going to find this thing? Are we not going to find it? And uh, it's so, <laughs> I, I have these, uh, these very quick highs and lows the few <laughs> times that I've geocached because in the, uh, in the minutes before I find it, I'm just like, why am I doing this? This is dumb. I can't believe I'm spending all this time. And then as soon as I find, I'm like, this is the greatest thing in the world. Like, this is why I just did this. And then you feel, you feel like the man, you know? You're like, yeah, I found that thing. This is great. And uh, yeah, it's so great to have that, that burst of emotion added into you know, just whatever else you were doing for the day. Yeah. yeah. I, that's one of the things that keeps me going. I, there are a lot of little aspects to the, to the activity that... Uh, keep my interest peaked. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit more about the the hiding aspect. So you said if people are going to try hiding a geocache, the number one thing is the picking a location that doesn't suck. Hopefully <laughs> not a location where people are going to get mugged because you put it there like in a safe, nice area. Um, what are some other... Well, yeah. Okay. Let's kind of take this twofold. Just tell us about some of the coolest caches that you've ever seen. Um, be that location wise or be that because of how creative the way that the person did the cache was. Yeah. If you could put everything together, like location, uh, container, creativity all together, that, that makes the epic experience. Um, location to me is, is first. You start with location and then uh, look for the container that will work best for that location. Uh, In the cases of being out in the woods, you'll you'll want something that's durable and uh, waterproof or water resistant at least, you know, something that'll keep the contents clean and and dry. Um, If it's in an urban setting, you want something that's got creative camouflage, uh, will stand up to to passersby, you know, not not end up getting... uh, thrown away, um, or even seen. Um, and, uh, you know, you want to have enough of a a log book in it that you're not having to change it out every day. Um, if it's a really popular urban area, that might be an issue with a really small cache if it gets found quite a bit. So Um, sorry to interrupt you here, but I just realized that we never even discussed this. So the most basic element of a cache is that it has to have a logbook for people to sign, right? Like that is the only thing that all caches will have the same is some sort of parchment for someone to sign. It needs a physical paper log. And that's the only true requirement. After that, it's like, it's all up to your imagination. Well, it does have to have a container. Okay. Um, But container definition of a container can be, uh, it can be creative. You could, it could be a, a Ziploc bag attached to the back of a magnet, like a sheet magnet that's then put on a magnetic surface and just looks like random numbers. You know, like sometimes you'll see those green utility boxes and they've just got random numbers on them for inventory, inventory purposes. Yeah. Uh, someone along the way realized that you could make a cache look like that. Just put a, put a, a baggie on the back uh, with the log in it and then you adhere it to a magnetic surface and it just people walk right by that every day just thinking it's one of those random inventory numbers and no that's really the geocache i yeah i i absolutely that's another i i can't believe we haven't talked about this yet it just 
how how cool it is to feel like you're in on this secret once you've found a geocache there's been parks or other areas of the city where i've found geocaches like underneath a bench and then later on you go walking by that park and you just see people sitting on the bench and it's like oh man you don't even know you're just sitting right on top of a geocache right now and you have no idea it's uh it's so cool it's like you're in on a little secret yeah definitely (laughs) definitely uh, we, <laughs> yeah, my wife and I, the other day, we were at this this one park in the city, and we're, uh, we we were walking home from breakfast, and we're, we're walking by this park, and we realized there was a geocache it, in this park. So we get to the coordinates, and it, the geocache was, according to the coordinates, was going to be basically like in this tree. And of course, there is a children's party <laughs> happen like only at this tree. Like all the children, all the parents are like around this tree, and we didn't want to, you know, we don't have a kid with us, so you you're like worried about looking weird like hanging out near the children it's just a couple of but so i my wife goes up and just like you know props her hand up and like leans up against the tree trying to like play it cool and like reach around and stuff it's just so yeah it's so funny the like the instances that you find yourself in when (laughs) you're trying to uh trying to get a geocache um so sorry to to take that off the rails a little bit so let's get back to some of the cooler caches that you found and some of the things that you think make a really good cache uh some of the really great ones too are um, uh, gadget caches, and that's one where we have a, a local cacher up here in in Washington who um, who builds these elaborate. He's he's just he's a handyman, and he uh, gets access to all of this equipment, whether it's uh, old telephone booths or. Um, Gosh, what are some of the things he's used? He's used an uh, an old uh, porta potty, uh, or not an old one, a clean unused one. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But he then puts all these electronics and and mechanics in it, so that you have to go in and you have to press a certain sequence of of keys, and uh, that'll pop open a drawer that then has the cash in it or tells you how to get to the ne- next aspect of the cash. It's just, and he has connections. He'll have these um, placed at, at uh, uh, locations where they're safe. Like, behind, you know, at night they're, they're behind a gate. So you can't, unfortunately can't get to them, but then they're safe. Um, and you're walking down the, the street and you're, Oh, here's this business that's got this newspaper uh, machine next to it. And, um, you look closely and it's, oh yeah, the, that's not a newspaper. That's a story about geocaching. So Whoa. it's like, that's got to be it there. And so then you, you start reading the description and you get some clues and then you learn what you have to do. It's like, oh, you have to put this battery here and pop. Then you're able to get into the machine. It's just, it's, those are, uh, those are, uh, I, I guess, a step above in the uh, creativity department. Yeah, that's incredible. Have you so you work for geocaching now? So first of all, working for geocaching, when you guys find someone like that, do you try to reach out to them in any way and like I don't know, write a little story about them or? Oh, uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, we've got a blog and a newsletter, and we like to try to get stories, uh, especially highlighting these great caches and great cashers. We have a, a cacher of the month uh, uh, competition, I guess you'd call it, and. Uh, People from the community write in, give us nominations, and then we have a, a voting uh, 
period, and, and people can write in and say why they think this person should win. And we, we learn about these phenomenal hiders around the world. And then they, they, they win a, an award, a, a, a special geocoin, and, and a, uh, a bit of, uh, I, I guess, some digital uh, awards you know, uh, that they can put on their profile, um, showing yeah. that they're geocacher of the month. And, yeah, um, it's just permanently etched in geocaching fame. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they love it. The community loves it, and it's a great way to highlight some of these really creative people and really creative caches out there. Yeah, definitely. What about on the flip side of that? Now working for the company, has there have there ever been any like legal issues? Do you ever have like a a city or a state reach out to you guys and be like, "What the hell, man! Like you <laughs> you can't just put stuff inside of Chicago Airport." Like like the, uh, do you have like the airport screening people like TSA calling you like, "What the hell? We thought well, this was a bomb," or you know? We have a lengthy set of guidelines on, on the website and. Every single one of those has come out of some issue uh, or concern uh, that that has a concrete past. Um, you cannot have a cache in in an airport without explicit permission, and not many airports are going to allow that. Generally, yeah. what you'll find in an airport is a virtual, uh, which is a, a cache type that that um, they're grandfathered now. Um, uh, the the site is choosing to, to feature uh, physical caches. Um, but uh, depending on, on the nature of the hide, uh, you're probably not going to get one in an airport. Yeah. They're explicitly uh, uh, called out. Yeah. Um, you know, not near railroad tracks. Um, and, and we've definitely had uh, entities uh, uh, take a, a, you know, a turn away from geocaching in, in the past and even in the current um, uh, times. Uh, the Washington State Geocaching Association, or WSGA, was uh, uh, formed in 2002 as a result of uh, the Washington State Parks uh, deciding to ban geocaching or moving that direction. And we decided that we needed to have some, some representation and, and try to encourage uh, geocaching within the parks. And I would say that's a success because now the Washington state uh, parks have a geo tour in them. That That's wow. where, where they've, they've actually spent money uh, to get tourism into the parks using geocaching. And yeah. they partnered with the WSGA to do that. So I, I would say the WSGA is one example of, of success um, where uh, once, once the, the, uh, Park saw the kind of people that it attracts, families, uh, enthusiasts, and, and, and that they bring dollars with them um, uh, and attention to, to parks that might be otherwise underserved. They, um, they, they see what a great uh, opportunity it, it is and what, you know, it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Like- That's good to hear because, I, you know, I, like I said, I've only been doing it for a couple months, but it seems like like what you guys have established is is such a good culture and community and everything and it's like like you said everyone's just trying to to have fun so you you feel like most most authorities would kind of get that and appreciate that and respect that and not not try to squash that you know hopefully (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah hopefully that but like you said something like an airport or something there's obviously different regulations involved 
Um, so a little bit ago, you mentioned a geo coin and getting that sent out to, uh, people that are like the geocacher of the month and they get a special geo coin. So tell, you invented the geo coin, correct? That this is your thing. That, yeah, that's kind of what I'm known for in the game. Uh, awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, it was, uh, I was coming up on my, my milestone 100th find, which a hundred finds, uh, 15 years ago, 14 years ago, was significant. Now it's much easier to do. There are a lot more caches. But back then, there weren't that many. And so I wanted to do something special for number 100. And uh, there were already uh, what were being called signature items showing up in caches. And um, this was a way that you knew that someone had been at a cache as soon as you popped it open. Uh, You didn't even have to see their, their log in the logbook. Like someone's calling card. It, like, exactly. Like a really nice serial killer. Like they leave their little <laughs> calling card behind. Exactly. Uh, the, the first one that always comes to mind to me is a, 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 a guy in this area up here who would buy these um, little cheap um, whistles from like uh, Oriental Trading or, or some uh, little knickknack store. And as soon as you popped it open, if you saw one of those little whistles, you knew he had been at that cash. And so I, I wanted something that, that would represent me and uh, would make a good I, a trade item in, in these caches. And uh, I was attending a, an event, uh, which turned out to be the first event in Washington State for geocaching. And I was talking about this, but the desire to come up with a signature item. And one of the fellow attendees was uh, a guy who was, had served in the military. And he said to me, how about minting a coin? And, and I kind of laughed because um, minting a coin, that, that seemed like something that took government level uh, <laughs> funds yeah. and, and, uh, and wherewithal. And I said, you're kidding, right? Something like that. And he said, oh, no, no. Um, and he explained challenge coins to me, which is a military, a military tradition that uh, apparently came out of uh, the Vietnam War and it's still um, used today, where different military groups uh, have a coin minted that represents their their platoon or, or what have you. And and the idea behind the challenge is you always carry it with you to represent you. And if you meet someone from another group, you pull out your coin and you challenge them to produce theirs. Uh, oh yeah, and if they don't have it, they have to buy a round of drinks for everyone in the bar. Um, so that's why they're called challenge coins. But they're, they're coins minted by these groups, and um, they represent those groups. And because of the the popularity, there were a lot of places that were minting coins, custom coins on the internet. And I knew nothing about that at all. And this guy said, "Oh yeah, you should just check out the internet," which back then was still pretty young. But even yeah, there's so, only there, like 10 or 11 sites total to go on. So. Right. But there were actually several that did coins. And I, I picked one out. I think it was the first one that got back to me on my request. And uh, within a month or so, I, I had the, this coin designed. And, and since it was a coin for geocaching, I thought geocaching coin, geocoin. So I, that's what I called it. And uh, it had my logo on one side. And then I had. Uh, designed a, a, a variation on the geocaching.com logo for the backside. And uh, I kept the first one for myself, but the, the 
002, the first the first one that went out in, into the wild was placed into that cache that was my hundredth find, uh, which I picked one that was a pretty neat experience. It was uh, called Lighthouse Point, and it was a, a rocky outcropping on the coast of Washington that uh, was inaccessible at high tide. Then at low tide, uh, it, some uh, gravelly uh, beach opened up between the mainland and this this uh, this rock and you could walk out to it and there was a rickety old 30 foot aluminum ladder going up to the top of it that was used to service this navigational light that was up on top and uh uh, heights aren't really my thing but um (laughs) i tell you that cash uh uh got me through that you know the 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 knowledge that there was a cash up there helped me uh, up that ladder and i i got up there and uh Jeremy uh, Irish, the, the founder of geocaching.com, had joined me for the, for the outing. And uh, so he was with me. We found that cash, and I put that first coin in, and that was the start of geocoins. Wow, that's so cool. That's a good story, <laughs> especially you being afraid of the uh, ladder, but doing it anyways for the geocache. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, the hardest part was coming back down. <laughs> oh, yes. You, I'm afraid of heights, too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um. Another question, I, I told you earlier that uh, that I asked my wife if there were any questions that she wanted me to ask you. Another question that she's like, you got to ask him this, is do you know of any geocache proposals? Have anybody, oh, yeah. Has anyone ever written in a story about a geocache proposal, wedding proposal? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I just, uh, let's see, I guess it's been two weeks. Two weeks ago, I was present at a geocaching wedding at an event in Georgia. God, that's so great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know of several. Um, this one was special because the year prior at the event, uh, the, the gentleman proposed to the lady and then, uh, at the event this year, they actually had the wedding. Wow. That's so cool. What, uh, if somebody proposes to somebody in a geocache, are they, are they leaving the ring inside the, (laughs) like just fingers crossed that nobody else comes to this geocache in the next, you know, hour or so? Uh, generally they, they, I, I have never heard of that happening. Generally they'll set up a, just their own private cache and, uh, you can, uh, kind of, uh, take the, the, the CSS, the, the, uh, the webpage design, uh, copy it locally and then edit it and say, Hey, I found this new cache. We should go out for it. And, but it's really, it's one that's not really on the site. It's one that they've set up specifically for the proposal. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Or if happened. you're really, you're really bad at computers, you just have like an index card that you drew. I, I, <laughs> I swear this is my phone. Yeah. It's telling us to go over here right now. Just don't look too close. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about, uh, talk to us about getting the job to work at the geocaching headquarters and uh, like how your life has changed since that happened. And um, more specifically, did that happen because of you inventing the geocoin and everything? Like, how did it all go down? It uh, it happened as a result of being in the same city as as geocaching dot com and early on becoming friends with the founders uh, as a result of our connection through geocaching. Uh, when they started the business, of course, there were very few cashers at that time. And so I naturally got to know them just through proximity. Uh, 
And uh, then when they were starting the website, I was working for a tech company in the area, and I donated some software to help them get started, uh, run the servers and what have you. And so, you know, we, we developed a friendship and a connection that way. Um, and then uh, as time passed, I was still at that tech company, but then the recession hit and uh, the group I was in was eliminated and I, I found myself needing a, a new job. And uh, I went to a tech fair uh, and sat through a tech fair that had almost no opportunities for for my skill set, and I ended up tweeting out that oh, slim pickings at the job fair, and uh, one of the people to read it was Brian Brian Roth, who's one of the, the co-founders of, of the company, and he contacted me and said, "Hey, I saw you're looking. You know, we have this position open. You want to come in for an interview?" And uh, to make a long story short, it worked out. I started off with the company in a strictly tech role. And then as the years have passed or progressed, um, my role has morphed, um, uh, taken advantage of some of my experience with the game itself and my history with the game. So I, I kind of straddle a tech and community uh, role here at the company. That's so cool, man. Life is just so great. Like that, that's just such a great story. It that's has awesome. a way of working out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, why don't you give us some advice for first-time cashers? So if somebody has never done geocaching before and they think that maybe it's something that they will want to try, um, give us some advice for someone just looking to get started right now. Well, it's easy these days with smartphones, as we've talked about. Uh, all you have to do is uh, go on to your, your app store and look for uh, the, the free geocaching app. Uh, download it. It uh, will show you caches in your area. It'll pick out some that... It, thinks are, are basic enough that, that they'll give you a, a, a good experience. And uh, I say go out and uh, give it a try. Get some friends. It's always more fun with, with people. Um, and then uh, try a, a few of them. Try, try a variety. Try them from you know, different hiders in different areas and see what you like. You know, get a feel for the game. Don't get discouraged if you don't find the first one or 10, uh, a lot of people get discouraged. And a lot of people think that the phone is going to lead you right up to it. And it'll like start beeping as you put it right next to it. No, just, just be prepared that when you get to within about 10 to 30 feet, even uh, that you put the phone aside and just look for where you think you would put something. Yeah. And uh, start developing what we call the geo sense. Um, <laughs> I like that. It's like Spidey sense from exactly. Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in, in to, uh, to the, the point that we talked about at the very beginning, whoever hides the cash will leave some sort of description, which, yeah, like you said, once you get within 20, 30 feet or so, their description will then give you a better idea as to where it is. Yeah. And some people will then even give a little hint that you can choose to look at or choose not to look at depending on how long you've been there for and how frustrated you currently are right. with, the, uh, with the geocache. But I find that more often, I don't know, you can tell me if this is true or not. I, it seems like more often than not, they, do, they choose to not leave a hint because it's like, look, if you can't get it just based off my description, that's on you. Sorry. It depends on the, the area. Certain, certain uh, areas, the community always leaves hints. I think Seattle tends to be pretty good about leaving hints. Uh, all across the state to the other other side of the state, and no one leaves hints. So it's like it's just like 
little pockets of however that community does it. Um, yeah, that's uh, cool. Yeah. So, John, tell us where we can. Uh, obviously, you said we can get the app online. Um, give us like the website, and if we can follow you guys on Twitter, Facebook, all that to get different kinds of updates and everything about geocaching. Uh, yeah, I I will point you to geocaching.com. It's uh, G E O C A C H I N G. Um, geocaching in Germany, uh, geocaching in Australia. That's how <laughs> it has different pronunciations. So that's why I spell it out. But yeah. uh, on our front page, you'll see the links to Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and Twitter. Uh, we're on all of the social media, uh, generally with geocaching as, as the name. Uh, and uh, yeah, we love uh, seeing photos, hearing stories. Um, it's all, it's really a community game and it, it's a community game, not only because uh, it's great to do with friends, but but uh, there's a real network of people out there hiding them. So you're interacting with people, uh, even if you don't want to go out with friends, you just like to do it solo. It's still a community because it's it's community built, yeah. And that's definitely. the great thing about it. Absolutely, I yeah, I cannot say enough good things about it. I, like I said, I've only done a few, but everyone has been totally awesome, and it rules. And everyone needs to download the app and get out there and do it. It's so great, um, John. Thank you so much, man. It was so great to learn more about it. Oh, this was great. Thank you so much. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Just wanted to give you all a quick reminder that if you have any ideas for the show, be that a person that you would like me to interview or just a topic that you would like me to cover on the show and you want me to track someone down, or if you have a question for an episode like today's or any other episode that you were kind of biting your tongue and wishing that I had asked, you can submit all that through my website on the Submit Your Ideas link. And I will either track down an old guest to ask those questions for you or find that new guest that you want to hear from. Thanks so much.